as much as amazing as Taylor Swift is, there is still a stigma around her. There's still yes. people who immediately make these assumptions about her. And so I was self-conscious to share like Taylor Swift, but then, so I looked up her and Bruce Springsteen and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a connection here. And I even saw an article that said she's the next Bruce Springsteen, which probably is a radical statement, but I just thought, oh my gosh, okay. I feel more comfortable bringing her up than her artistry and her writing and her storytelling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though I'm sure he will come up, as he often does. And we are getting into tarot card reading. And uh, my new friend, Sarah, is here. We met on social media. She was looking to be a guest at a podcast, and I thought it sounded fun to visit. So, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little about yourself. My name is Sarah, and I uh, run a business called Journey Through Tarot. And I'm not sure if I continue to talk about just my business or me personally, but whichever one you want. <laughs> okay. I'll stick with my business because I'm still learning all about who I am as a person. Yes. Um, <laughs> Aren't we all? Yes, but I know my business backwards and forwards. So okay. yeah, so I've been reading tarot for about 18 years just for myself and family. And then I started doing it professionally about two and a half years ago, not on purpose. COVID woke me up. I think a lot of people were impacted and affected by COVID in many different ways. And for me, it really took me on a spiritual journey that led me to reading tarot and that's, that's it. how I got okay. <laughs> okay so we're going to get to that but we're going to start out with a little bit more about you so <laughs> where did you grow up and because this is a music podcast what kind of music was your family listening to so I grew up in Southern California and in high school, I let me start with my mom. My mom was a big John Denver fan. So that was okay. probably like my first introduction to music was John Denver because she was a big fan of him. I remember the day that he passed away that she cried over it. And it just that was the first time I really saw like someone. I apologize. But I have a cat. That's okay. You're good. They just want to be on the podcast. Yes. He only does this. Once in a blue moon. So of course he's going to do it now, right? <laughs> Funny story. And I'll try to remember to edit this out. So I had a wonderful couple on and they are um, LB, LGBTQ advocates, right? Mm -hmm. They were also going to talk about seeing Bruce in Ireland. But before that, we were talking a little serious about this current state of the anger toward gay and transgender and lesbians. And so their cat... Every time we started talking serious, you saw it climb up the stairs. I don't want to hear this crap. And then when we took back the music, the cat would come down. And it wasn't, had nothing to do with it, but it looked like the cat's going, I'm not interested in this story. Oh, this is something that enjoys me. Yeah. So, no. Welcome 
your your what's your cat's name? Cyrus. What? Cyrus. All right, fine. So see, they're welcome anytime. Okay, no problem. <laughs> So your mom loved John Denver and was upset when he passed. I am probably closer, definitely closer to your mother's age. And yes, I remember him being on the radio all the time when I was in high school. And yes, I was very sad when he passed as well. So how about you? What kind of music did you listen to? My evolution has been interesting. Of course, when I was really young, it was like the NSYNC boy band era. Of course. Uh, and then, yes, yeah, so Britney Spears, it was the rage. That goes without saying. It's And then in high school, I took a totally different turn and went really into rock music okay. and listened to Metallica, Three Days Grace, Papa Roach, et cetera, et cetera. If it was rock, it was for me at the time. And why it was do you kind think? Uh, why did you think you went to wanting something so heavy and so driving? What do you think that was about? I think for me, so I had a little bit of a rough childhood, just alcoholic father, things like that. Okay. So for me, it was, I think it was a way for me to transmute all of my feelings around it because okay. it wasn't talked about. And from the outside looking in, we looked like a nuclear family and everything looked good. But it wasn't. And so I think that was just the way that I dealt with like my anger around okay. the issues, and the sadness, and it just gave me a place I could really vent and just let it all out. Yeah, and I think that's part of the beauty of music, right? That having that, that, that drive and that angst and that makes you feel good. I Yeah, I could see that. And it was funny because so I'm a middle child. I had an older brother and a younger sister. And we all had very different music tastes. So my brother was really into musicals and jazz music and it's like oldies. <laughs> and my sister was into like pop rap. And then I listened to rock. So if you walk down my hallway in my house, you'd get like all sorts of different musics coming through. <laughs> so Sarah, I love that story because doing this thing for as long as I've done it, I do see some themes and siblings is a big theme that either you're influenced by your older siblings or if you're the older sibling you influence the younger sibling or it's the actual other way right that there you go an absolute opposite of they're into jazz and show tunes okay i'm gonna go heavy metal yeah that's i love that yeah it was definitely one of those things that we were battling out who got to play their music louder because we all were trying to not hear the other person's music either. <laughs> yeah. And poor mom was, and right, they were that stuck in the middle listening to all that. Yeah, she told me that, so, so while we would be playing and blasting our music, she'd be in the front of the house playing John Denver, Bruce Springsteen, or Dan Fogelberg. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. What, as you've gotten older, what kind of music do you love to listen to now? So now I've switched more to, my music style now is more eclectic. It just depends on my mood. Okay. I'm less into rock now. I have to be really, I have to be really drawn to it if I'm into okay. rock. Like I, now it's more like nostalgia if it comes on where I'll get, I'm like, yes, I know this song, but I don't actively seek it out. My favorite artist is Taylor Swift. Okay. So listen to a lot of her songs. And I feel like her songs are all across the board. So depending on my mood, usually one of her songs will work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And universally, she is really ranked as one of the best songwriters out there. I know that 
Bruce was on the late night talk show earlier this year. And he talked about his daughter picked him up from the airport and was like, dad, Taylor's got a new album. You got to listen to it. You got to listen to it. And he said he was just thrilled that Jessica was so excited to hear it. And they asked, what'd you think? He said, pretty good. Um, and then uh, they, she tells the story of when Jessica was in college, he took her, Jessica, and a couple of her friends to a Taylor shift. Swift show. And if you're Bruce Springsteen, you get to go backstage, right? Because that's just, yeah. And she told the story, I think it was on Ellen, that she was telling him how much she loves his music and how every once in a while she'd do Dancing in the Dark as a encore. And he picked up her guitar and started playing it for her. Oh, and then wow. signed her guitar. Yeah, so there is that <laughs> Bruce connection with uh, Taylor. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I looked it up because... So as much as amazing as Taylor Swift is, there is still a stigma around her. There's still yes. people who immediately make these assumptions about her. And so I was self-conscious to share like Taylor Swift, but then, so I looked up her and Bruce Springsteen and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a connection here. And I even saw an article that said she's the next Bruce Springsteen, which probably is a radical statement, but I just thought, oh my gosh, okay. I feel more comfortable bringing her up then because I yeah, just, I um, love her because of her artistry and her writing and her storytelling. Yeah. Do you remember when you first discover her and what about her music spoke to you? I first discovered her probably on her second album. It was the song, Our Song. It was back when she was still very country. And to be honest, back then, it was more like I enjoyed her music, but it didn't really speak to me on a super deep level. I wasn't a Swifty at first sight or first hearing. Um, I always followed her and liked her, but it really got me was I liked her 1989 album. That was when I realized, okay, I'm, I'm starting to be a bigger fan. And then she went into her Reputation album, which is more, a little darker than her normal thing, her normal music. And I pulled back after that. I was like, and it sounded a lot more poppy. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. So I had pulled away, distanced myself from the music for a little bit, other than like her mainstream songs. Mm-hmm. And then when she came out with Folklore, which I want to say came out in 2020, I just, that's yeah. when I really really connected with her because that's when I, I really saw oh my gosh she's so talented and I felt like in after that every album I felt I feel like it's right where I'm at in my life I can come like relate to so many of her songs and so really I think it was 2020 that I became like a big fan of her work and I think one of the great things about this her music is similar to Bruce's music is when you have an artist that helps you, you feel like they're writing about you, right? This music is, this is very personal to me. That's special. Yeah, there is, I don't know if there's a podcast, Tay to Z, um, oh no, I don't know. Yeah, that. So yeah, I, I had the co-host on there. Her and her husband are going through every Taylor Swift song in alphabetical order. And so they oh, write them. <laughs> and and she was on my podcast and and she was a huge Springsteen fan. This the lady hosting the podcast was we talked about Bruce and then we talked about Taylor. And she talks about a lot of the similar things that they are, she's just a very gifted songwriter. So yeah, I don't, yeah. and it's really easy 
for snobs to go, oh, I don't think there is anything uh, about guilty pleasure. And I also think, I think her music will stand the, the test of time. Uh, she is, she is a beautiful, and I love the fact that she's taking control of her own career, right? Not afraid yes. to redo albums, not afraid to do. And I'm, I am, I have not spent as much time with her music as I probably should have, but I really admire her and what she does. So yeah, absolutely. Good job. And just on, on point with what you said too, with, with her taking over, like taking back her career, I feel like the more each album, she gets more and more comfortable and authentic and is more her. And I think that's, just, it, it transmutes to, to the rest of us who are trying to figure out who we are and how to be ourselves and not be afraid yeah. to be in the spot yourselves and she just seems to just get more and more comfortable in her own skin and that's just so cool to watch and inspiring for the rest of us yeah I, I think so and and I think that too many times people will they don't want to push this they they the music business is a business and a lot of times we want it's, I can't tell you how many times the casual Springsteen fan will say, shut up and sing. I don't want you talking politics. And the reality is that's what he wants to do. He has something to say, and that's good. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So let's, I'm going to switch. When did you first discover the tarot cards? And talk to me about that experience. What, tell me about that. So it's a bit of an evolution, but I started reading tarot when I was about 16 years old and it was right around the time that I had grown up Christian, but I, right around 16, I started asking questions and started getting curious about other modalities out there and things like that. And so that was my first gateway into it was I just bought myself a tarot deck from Barnes and Nobles (laughs) and Mm -hmm. a really small new age section. And I just picked one out that looked really cool and brought it home. And then after that, I always had a deck like around and I would read for friends and family. And for several years, it was like an off and on. Oh yeah, I happen to have a deck. It's cool. And then something really shifted for me, maybe about six or seven years ago where I started realizing that there wasn't, the tarot cards weren't just fun entertainment, but it was actually like there was some real medicinal guidance to it. And so I started using it more for my own personal guidance. Like if I was going through a tough time, I'd, I'd pull out my cards and seek answers and was always getting something so profoundly significant and relevant that, and consistently I thought, okay, there's something more to this than just something to play with and invite friends over to, to read some cards. And then in 2020, when the world shut down, yeah. I started asking, what is my purpose? And I started delving into my, just figuring out like, what the heck is my spirituality? What do I believe in? And found some podcasts. That's actually what got me into podcasts, not being a guest, but just listening as a listener was mm-hmm. spiritual podcasts, finding out like what my belief system was. And I was hearing all these wonderful stories of people who found their purpose. And I thought, oh my gosh, I want to find my purpose. What's my purpose? And tarot cards kept coming up for me. And it was funny because at the time I was like, no, I can't do tarot. No. And it just was shooting it down. So it would be like during meditations or different, it would come to me in different ways. And I just was not open to it at all. And then do you feel that's partly because of the way you were raised? Did you feel like you were betraying your family or your faith? No, because I wasn't Christian at the time. It was more so the stigma around tarot. It was more so what would people think if I started reading tarot and how could I even make a living doing something like that? It just, it was more the stigma, I think, and the fear of putting myself out there as a reader. Okay. And then I started opening myself up just for myself. I I took a course in tarot and was delving with the idea of maybe starting a business. And the income that I had at the time went away unexpectedly. And like the job that I had went away unexpectedly. And I remember I went through all sorts of feelings because I was just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I was just learning through tarot, just this idea that everything happens for you, not to you. And it all happens for a reason. And so I was like somewhere between freaking out and trying to stay calm. I was like, okay, how is this for me? How is this for me? And I just heard this very calm, like intuitive message that came through to me that just calmly said, go work on your business. So I grabbed pen and paper and just started writing down, coming up with my business name, my why. And yeah, so that was really how it grew into what it is now. And then I started doing practice readings for people and I was really shocked because I just put it out. That was the scariest part. I'm put on my Facebook. Hey, I'm thinking about starting a tarot reading business. 
anyone interested in getting a free reading and tell me, tell me what you think and give me feedback. And so most people that reached out to me were not people I was close with or knew very well. And I had two different people after I gave them the reading and it was free. It was just for feedback who said, Hey, what's your Venmo? I want to send you a couple dollars. Cause that really hit home. And that really meant something to me. And that was probably the first time I thought, Oh my gosh, this is really a thing I can, this is not only that, but I'm gifted in this and there's something here. So that was really the evolution and the start of it. So what do you think are some of the main misconceptions people have about tarot card readings? There's a few. I think one of the big ones is a lot of people think it's taboo and brings bad juju or whatever. And that's the way that I read. I do it all in love and light. I see it as I really believe that we're all interconnected and that source is within all of us. And that when, when someone sits down with the intention of reading, you're tapping into source, you're tapping into God, whoever that modality is, and they're showing up for you. I'm just the middle person, the interpreter. And that's how I see it. But I know a lot of people look at it and they think, oh my gosh, it's like an Ouija board or it's devil worship. And it's none of that. There's, it's none of that. But I think Hollywood and society really likes to sell this certain image of what a tarot card reader is and does. And it's not correct at all. And then the other big misconception is I think people who think of tarot readers thinks of people who, who are like scam artists. So then yeah. you also get that in there as well. Oh, people just trying to take advantage of other people. And, and the, it's hard to say that there are bad apples out there, but also bad apples in every job possible. Yeah. It's not tarot, but there are those that give the good readers a bad name. But I think most of the readers out there are more like me and just want to help guide other people and do it from that place of higher self and in love and light. There are those few that, that scam and it's unfortunate, but that's probably the other big stigma is like either you're a scam artist or you're a devil worshiper. <laughs> those are like the yeah. two that come up. Do, so what is the background of, and I don't want to make this a dry course in tarot cards, but I do think for myself and my listeners, tell us the background of this and the thought behind why you feel this is a conduit to learning about your, the person you're reading. That's a great question. So I don't know all the details of the history. I know that tarot was originally created in like the 1500s and it was actually like it was a card game initially. And I don't exactly know how it became more than that. But the fun, fun fact with that question is that I could do a tarot reading with a deck of playing cards because they're very similar. Yeah, and a lot of people, yeah. So the difference between the, the tarot and the playing card deck that you can buy from the store is that the tarot has the major arcana, which these are the cards like the hermit, the death card, the sun, the star. Those ones obviously are only for tarot, but they also have the minor arcana, which is suits. Four suits, just like you find in a playing card deck. You have wands, you have cups, you have swords, and you have coins or pentacles. And, and then you have a page, which is like the jack and king and queen. And you have ace as well. Yeah, it's a combination of the suited cards and the trump cards coming together. But so the way that I see tarot, because some people, there are pe readers who are very superstitious or have rituals around like clearing the energy and things like that. I have a different approach to it. I really feel like the cards themselves are not magic. They're not special. They're paper. It's the intention. It's the and you there for me tarot is a very spiritual practice so when i sit down to read for someone i am fully 
trusting that whatever comes out of my mouth, whatever comes, whatever cards come out and whatever I share through those cards, it's meant to be shared. And it's spirit showing up for them. I'm just, like I said, the middleman interpreter. I like take my ego out of it. Half the time, I don't even understand the cards that came through. I just know I'm supposed to share it the way it comes in, it comes through me. So I don't think it's the cards themselves. I think it's the intention. I think it's the energy that you're showing up in and being open to, like I said, removing your ego. Because I do know there are some readers who will put their own judgment tweak on it. And that's, and I don't think that they do it on purpose. It's just, it's hard to remove that ego piece. For me, I just, I've learned to just go with it. And even if I don't understand it, it always makes sense to the person I'm sharing it to, but it's more that intention and being open to channel and receive. So you have offered, and we're going to do it in a few minutes. You're going to give me a reading. How difficult is it doing a reading via Zoom compared to in person? Honestly, it doesn't matter. I, in person, I always prefer it. It's just because it's, the energy is real time, sure. but Zoom is like probably the second best option because it's, I can still see you and there's still that, that connection. But I've done readings, several readings, in fact, where it's, I have email readings that I offer where I never even see this person. I never talk to them. I never, all I get is an email with the question. And then I, I pull some cards based on whatever which one they order. So I pull either three or seven cards. I wrote, do a uh, individual recording and I send it to them. And those ones, when I first started doing this were probably the scariest, Sure, but matter because I still get the feedback of that was really helpful. That really resonated. That gave me what I needed. And I don't know these people. I can't even see them, but again, it's that they, it's the intention. They're intending to ask a question and I'm showing up with the intention of spirit coming through the cards. And it's interesting that what comes through is what needs to come through. So because of that intention, and I think I do believe we're all energetically connected, it doesn't really matter if it's over an email or in person or over Zoom. Okay. All right. So is this a good time? What do we need to do? What do I need to do to get ready? Yeah, absolutely. We just need to really focus on what you want to know. We can focus on an area of your life, which it literally could be any area, but I'll just to sum it up, I can say things like love, career, purpose, finances, things like that. Or we can just see what your higher self wants you to know and go a little more general, but usually it's what you need to hear right now. So which do you recommend? If you don't have an area that you're dying to know about, I usually recommend higher self. So I, yeah, let's do higher self. That sounds okay. good. Okay. So we're just going to ask the question, what does your higher self want you to know? Okay. Have you ever had a reading before or is it the first reading? I think in New Orleans once, at one in the morning, a guy, we had him do it and it was, it was fun. It was, but it was more for entertainment. Yeah. Okay. So I'm doing my higher self spread, which is seven cards. The first card I'm going to go over in, in a moment is the theme. And then there's going to be past, present, future energies. And then there's also three cards that are higher self messages. And I like to call those three cards, the roadmap, because that's really where you get like the guidance piece on how okay. to move forward. Okay. And so as far as like the, the future card, I personally don't believe the future is set in stone. I do believe in free will and that's always evolving. So this is just where you're heading as of right now, but that can change on a number of different ways. So okay. I just always like to say 
It's not like this is for sure what's going to happen. It's this is where you're heading. So okay. just saying, and by the way, feel free to comment as I go if, if something okay. resonates or say something, or you could just listen and tell me afterwards. Either way okay. is totally right. good deal. All right. So the first card, the theme card is the eight of cups. So this one is saying that right now in your life, there's something that you're emotionally leaving behind. You're ready to actually leave behind something emotionally. So that way you can, it's no longer serving you basically, that the longer you keep this thing, it's just going to start pulling you back. You're not getting what you need from it anymore. So the invitation right now that you're in the theme is moving forward. And not only moving forward, but there's like a sense of evolution. You know that you're leaving this thing behind. It's hard. You're going to miss it. But there's something better that you're moving towards, that leaving this behind is actually going to take you to a better thing. So that's our starting point. There's okay. this, this big, like, letting something go emotionally and moving on, which is interesting because your recent past is the chariot. And this one is saying that in your recent past, this is probably what prompted leaving this thing behind that you're emotionally having to say goodbye to the chariot is all about growth it's learning how to take up space it's learning to know that you're no longer you're basically you're coming from a space where you were really cramped um i like to use the analogy just to bring this um home a little bit i like to use the analogy of a crab a crab intuitively knows when it's time to leave its shell behind and look for a bigger shell. Okay. Like you, you've taken up as much space as you could in this little shell. And now it's time to say goodbye. Now, technically a crab doesn't have to grow. If it, if it, it could literally live in the same shell its entire life. And a case in point is if you put a shell, a crab in an aquarium, it's going to stay the same size because there's no space to grow. But a crab in the ocean, that's the kind of crab that knows, okay, you know what? This, the shell is getting really cramped. And the thing about the chariot is it's always an invitation. You don't have to go to the bigger shell. You can choose to, to play small and choose to just stay in your little box or your little, your small confinement. But recently you were really feeling compelled to outgrow your space and grow into a new space and learn that it's okay to now fill up this new space, which is an, if it, it's an invitation to really step into your own power and step into what else is waiting for you. So I feel like that, I feel like you said yes to that in your recent past where you started expanding in a lot of ways. And emotionally, there was a component of leaving behind something that you weren't, it was hard for you to leave behind, but you knew it was the right decision. Okay. So presently we have the 10 of wands. So I feel like this is just speaking to what comes with that growth piece that you're going through. You're basically having to take inventory right now. As you're expanding and growing, you're also looking at all the different plates that you're holding. You have a lot of different responsibilities and things that you're carrying. And you could, you have the option of continuing to take more things on if it's handed to you, or you can actually start looking at everything and think, oh my gosh, this is, this is getting heavy. I have to put some of this down. Maybe I have to delegate some of it. Maybe some of it I don't need to carry anymore, which I think is what this is speaking to. It's, I can't, I don't have the space for this. So right now you're being invited to really look at everything you're carrying. So yes, you're expanding to make space for something better and bigger, but you need to make the space to expand. If you're weighted down by a bunch of things from your past, that is part of the old shell and the old, that old uh, paradigm, it's, you're not going to have the space to really grow if that makes sense, it's like stunting you. So right now, higher self is really just inviting you to look at all of your responsibilities, all the things you're carrying and see what you can put down, what you okay. can get help with and what you actually need to continue to move forward. Okay. 
moving into the near future. I have the nine of wands reverse. This is a cool card. This one is saying that you, like when it comes to expansion and growth and things, in, I think just in general in your life, you're the private person who doesn't give up. You like to persevere. You like to, if you have a goal in mind, you're like, I'm getting to that goal no matter what. Sometimes you steamroll a little bit and you're like, you don't really stop. You're just like focus on that destination. And so that's a being persevering is a really good thing, of course, but there's the toxic element of being so focused on the destination that you're burning yourself out, which I think speaks to this one a little bit. Okay. And so with this one, higher self is really inviting you to remember to take space for rest. Remember that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that taking rest doesn't mean you're giving up. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get there. It just means you're taking time to take care of you along the journey okay. instead of being so focused and just getting there. The higher self message to the near future is the wheel. And so this one is saying, this is actually really similar to what I was saying about my own personal journey. On As you grow and evolve and all of that and push forward towards whatever this new goal is that you have, you're likely going to have some things that, that come up that might feel like, um, how do I say this? Like little road bumps along the way that could feel a little bit like, oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? So the wheel, what can happen with the wheel is feeling of uh, victim, like victim mentality of feeling things like things that are happening out of your control and feeling powerless which can cause you to feel like the world's out to get you sometimes. And so what higher self is saying is not only are you being invited to rest, but when things go a little off kilter than the way you want it to, instead of feeling like you're powerless and it's all happening to you, how can you shift it and think, okay, this is not ideal, but how is this happening for me? What's the lesson here? What can I take from this? And one that's going to help you take back the power of the situation, but also it's going to help you find more of that silver lining and find what's there for you instead of getting caught up in the, oh my gosh, it's all going wrong. It's not happening the way it's supposed to. And I feel like, cause these two cards came together. This is the near future card. This is the higher card. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like what's, what higher self is saying is it's reversed. Not only are you being invited to rest, but that rest is actually going to help you when things don't go the way you're expecting them to go, when like basically that's saying, when you make plans, but God laughs at you or you make plans and life happens. It's one of those things where it's like taking time to rest is going to help you see those moments a little bit better and see those moments as a learning lesson versus feeling like the rug's being ripped out from underneath you and you're the victim, if that makes okay. sense. Yes. Okay, good. And then there's two more cards here in the middle. This is like your higher self message overall. And oh my gosh, it's very similar to the Nine of Wands about slowing down and taking time to rest. The Nine of Pentacles reversed. So this is saying, again, that you're very goal focused. And when you have something in mind, you're like, you're on it. And so the problem is that when you do accomplish one thing, instead of celebrating it and wow, look how far I've come, you're already on to the next thing. You're already thinking of the next goal. You're not taking time to really savor the work you did to get where you are now. Um, so the invitation here is, again, that slowing down piece. I feel like a lot of what higher self is saying is to make space for this growth to come in as, as easily as possible for you. You need to take time for rest and for self-care and for stopping to smell the roses. Because right now it's like you're so focused on the next thing and not you're not able to enjoy the moment. Like why, why did you want that goal to begin with? Now honor that and, and celebrate it when you get it. 
and then go to the next thing, but don't feel like it's always the next thing. Cause then a lot of times your worth gets tied to that as well, where you almost feel like if you're not accomplishing something then you're not worthy. Then in, it's a, a rough cycle. Okay. And then the final card is the hermit. And I feel like this is just really speaking to that growth energy that you're in right now, letting go of things, learning to take up space and expand yourself. The hermit is all about getting to know yourself again. And I say again, because we do this lots of times in our lifetime. Um, we think we know who we are. And then maybe five years later, we realize we don't recognize the person we used to be. So we have to get curious and find out, wait, are our beliefs the same? Are our values the same? Or do we love the same things? Do we, are we avoiding things that maybe we really would like to have in our life? Just like really, again, taking, coming back to that 10 of wands too, and taking inventory of just everything that you're carrying in your life and what belongs and what doesn't. So yeah, so the hermit is just saying right now you're making space as you're growing, you're making space to really learn who you are from a, like a more introspective level than maybe. And, and I feel like, again, make, slowing down, stopping the smell of the roses, putting down some of that responsibilities that you don't need to be carrying anymore. That's just going to help you take that space to really find yourself a little bit more. Okay. Interesting. So that was everything. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sarah. So a couple of questions and then, so you've done no research into me correct you haven't gone no. to any of my social medias you haven't not looked at all. my profiles on anything this is just based I listened on to the, okay yes and i listened to the one podcast you sent me about the coach yeah and that was it okay good all right. i was told a couple of weeks ago that there is a good chance my role at my current job could be ending and that by the end of the year I will no longer be able to work where I've been for the last three years. Wow. I am a 64-year-old guy that is going to have to go look for a job, possibly. Now, the my boss is saying that he's hoping he can keep me, and if a couple of things turn right, that will be. But in the meantime, I have started this week working overnights. I am working... 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. at night till 4 or 6 in the morning. So I'm having to adjust at my age, new role, worrying about how am I going to find a job? How am I going to do what I need to do? And yet also keep doing something well for the company I'm at, because hopefully you do want to keep them. They keep me. A lot of what you said really resonates with what I'm going through, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, no, it sounds I can see the correlations. It's so funny because I'm, I'm always just this might sound weird considering I'm a professional, but I'm always just as excited and surprised as the person who it resonates with, even though it happens every time, because I, I just it's that blind faith of just, OK, this is what's coming through and I'm just going to share what, what I'm seeing. But yeah, I can definitely see where a lot of that growth and the leaving behind what, you know, wow. Yeah. And in fact, I specifically did not say career. Because of like the whole cold reading, right? Oh, career, that means mm -hmm. he's worried about his job. So I specifically didn't say that because I'm curious. Yeah, not everything's 100%, right? There are some things that I don't quite see. But that was really actually very insightful. And I realized skeptics listening go, that was just a little generic that she talked about. But I think there's enough specifics in there that I thought that was very interesting. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And thank you for being open-minded to give it a try and see what it's, you know, yeah. what exactly it is and what I do. 
Yeah. One of the things that you were very clear when we visited is you don't tell the future and you don't necessarily give advice, right? You don't say, oh, and here's what you should do. The cards tell me you should do this. You should take $10,000, put it up. You just say, so you're smiling. So talk to me, tell me a little bit. Yes, I don't do that. In fact, I have people who have come to me for readings and I can tell they're really pushing for me to tell them what to do. And I will not do that. It's first of all, that's not my place. There's that self. If you get a reading with me or any reader for that matter, there has to be a self accountability piece to it where you have to take accountability for your own choices and your own decisions that you do with what you've learned from the reading. Um, yeah, I, and in fact, if you notice the way that I, I talk about what comes through, I use words like, this is the invitation. This is right. what, because again, yeah, it's not my place to tell you what to do, but also I'm not the person who's all knowing here. I'm just the interpreter. I'm just sharing what is coming through that I felt that, that what I'm feeling in the moment that the person needs to hear. And even I have done readings where people do this or this, what should I do? And so I always shift it a little bit and say, this is what you need to know energetically around each option. So you can discern and make some decisions based off of that. And there are times where it's very blaringly obvious which one is the better choice. But even then, it's not my place to choose because if they choose the less ideal choice, that's just, that's taking them on a different path. And obviously they have lessons they need to learn around it. So I just, that's, I think I mentioned this, but that's where I like to remove my ego from it because it's not my reading to interpret and, and make sense of. It's just my reading to share and, and let the person receive how they're supposed to. But yeah, I, I don't tell people what to do and I would never do that because it's, everyone's on their own path. And, and I think that another part of this too, is what I do is I like to empower the people I work with to make those decisions on their own and have that self-sovereignty and be able to discern what's best for them. I'm not in their shoes and I wouldn't be able to make that decision anyway. Yeah. I think one of the things that strikes me is that often we will know the answer we want to hear. And it's a little bit of a trope, but if it's a yes or no question, flip a coin and in your mind, are you cheering for heads or tails? That will tell you where your heart's wanting you to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. What has surprised you the most about doing this professionally? Oh, there's a few things. One, I, I think that most people are curious about what I do, even though most would not admit it. I started right. doing events like parties and corporate parties and bachelorette parties and trying to get into the wedding industry too. I haven't done weddings yet, but I was showcased at a wedding venue, but yeah, so I do events. And so at these events, I'm free to whoever is a guest and wants to come and, and see what it's all about. And I'm always very popular and most of the people have never had a reading before. And I love right. it because- I, I get to help dispel some of that stigma and taboo around it. And most people come in thinking it's one thing and walk away with some insight that they weren't expecting, but really needed. Yeah. And so for me, if I do an event at the market, it's a very different vibe. People will avoid me like the plague. It's, it's fun to just watch who looks at me and runs the other direction because it's of the stigma. But doing the parties, it's a completely different energy because I'm free and, and they could just come and sit down and ask questions. And I think that, so I think one of the things that surprises me is that it's, despite the stigma, a lot of people are actually really curious about it and want to look more into it. And then 
another one is I was really preparing myself when I started finally naming myself as a professional reader and putting it out there on social media, especially for like people who knew me, that was the part that I was most scared about. I was really expecting to get a lot of backlash. I was expecting to get some earfuls from some people around it. And, and then not only that, but even doing like markets where, you know, like I was saying, where sometimes people will avoid me just because they see tarot. I was afraid that I would get like verbally attacked for setting up and I never got any of that and I still haven't. So I think that another part that surprised me about this is that a lot of the things that held me back, those fears were just fears. And most people, if they, if it's not for them, they just, it's not for them and that's fine. But I'm less afraid of showing up now as myself and being able to explain what it is that I do. So you are just listening to you, right? If someone's skeptical, you go, great, that's fine. Right. You're not trying to convert anyone. You're just saying, I, do you feel like some people have a gift for reading cards better than others? Saying that we all have, I think I'm a decent interviewer. So I think I have a little better gift than some. So do you feel that? So the thing about tarot is that anyone can do it. I was 16 years old and grabbed my first deck at Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. Anyone can learn it. Anyone can do it anyone can can turn it into something. But I do feel like those that are more naturally in touch with their intuition are able to, it just comes to them a little bit more naturally. And that goes for any, but with that being said, I do believe that every single person has intuition and has quote psychic abilities. Like we all have that, those gut feelings when something is off and maybe we didn't listen, but we realized we should have, or some of us have had those moments where we think the phone's going to ring and then it does. And yeah. so I do think that we all have it and it can all be practiced and worked on. I just think some of us are a little more sensitive and, and in tune than others. So I do think that those that are naturally more sensitive do have an affinity for it and it works a little bit, it works a little bit more smoothly for them. But I also think that anyone can learn this and anyone can develop their intuition as well. So it's a yes and no. No, I understand. I had someone earlier on the podcast that does a creativity podcast and she says Mm -hmm. she, all the times people don't, I don't have a creative bone in my body and sheer point is yes, you are creative. You just don't think you are, or you're creative in a way that's different than what we perceive because you can't paint or you can't draw or you can't sculpture or you can't make music, but you're creative in other ways. And we all, and I thought that was a really beautiful thing because we all start being creative and we all have an imagination and then it's slowly taken out of us. So how, how much do the skeptics, do they bother you? Do people that are skeptic? Not very often. No. That's and that's, that's basically like I was saying that I was expecting that. Right. Um, I was prepared for them to come out of the woodwork. And no, the worst is at, at some, and this is super rare. I'll have someone come and sit down at a party that I'm doing and, and they'll just say, I don't get it and get up and walk away. Yeah. And that's really the worst of it. But I've also had lots of readings with people who I could tell right off the bat were really skeptic. But then by the end of it, they're like, okay this was not what I expected it to be. This really hit home. And so I've also realized that there's, I I think I've turned more skeptics than I've met the ones that are totally not for it, if that makes sense. And I think that, and if you want to try to put a feeling upon this, you could go often 
by you reading the cards and you sharing what you're feeling you're getting that the person receiving it is cross is connecting the dots and and some people can connect those dots and other people can't mm-hmm. and you're just there to this is a bad metaphor but put a flashlight on a path and there's a couple of big paths and which one do you feel like choosing Yes. I was just interviewing on another podcast earlier today. And he said, it was like, you shined a light on what I needed to know. That's one of the best ways to describe what I do. And it's true. I'm not going to connect and resonate with everyone. I do. I would say probably like 95 to 99% of the time I do, but it is exactly, they have to be willing or open to connect dots. And sometimes I'm not going to resonate with everyone. Sometimes I'm not going to make a connection, which does happen on occasion, but I don't, when I read the cards, I'm, I don't know your situation. I don't know what the specifics are. I'm just reading the energy around what those are. And so some people will share with me how it resonates and I'm able to see even more. I'm like, oh my gosh, hold on. Now I can tell yeah. you a little bit more about being because now I have context, but yeah. So I don't see the specifics. I just read the energy and I just trust that whatever's coming through is what their higher self needs them to know. This has been so much fun, and this is so informative. I absolutely am so happy you joined me. Any final thoughts before we get you out of here and I ask you the Mary question? (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm really excited to be here. I'm, my new goal right now is to just let people know what tarot is and isn't. And it's not scary. It's really a beautiful tool to help. I like to say it's medicine and just, it's insightful. So I hope that I opened some hearts and minds today. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to let you plug your website and everything. But before that, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong, who is a retired honors English teacher, when he was teaching, he would give the lyrics to Thunder Road to his students and they would read it, treat it as a poem, would look at the imagery Bruce is using, talk about the themes Bruce explores. And then he would ask his students at the end of the class, does Mary get in the car? Sarah, if you were giving Mary a tarot reading, would she get in the car? I feel like she would. Okay. And I feel like this is one of those life experiences. I feel like this is one of those, you got to live in the moment and she's being invited into a really, she's being invited into taking the fool's jump. If I'm going to go with tarot here, I'm going to pull the fool card. The fool card is a leap of faith. Okay. And I feel like that's what she's being invited into is I know that you're scared, but let's give this a try anyway. And that's what a leap of faith is. It's jumping without knowing what's waiting on the other side, except it's going to start some kind of a new journey for you. Yeah. All right. It's that's actually in the lyrics, right? I know you're scared and and I know you're scared. We're not that young anymore. Yeah. Sarah, if someone wants to reach you, if they want more information, where do they go? They can find me at journey through tarot.com. I'm also on Instagram at journey through tarot. And I offer, like I mentioned earlier, email readings. That's like, if you don't want to actually talk to me and interact with me, that's like probably the best way to go. You just ask a question and I'll send you a personalized recorded reading with the, with a picture of the cards drawn. But if you want to work with me personally, I also do private sessions ranging from 15 minute sessions up to an hour. And for the, those that might be interested in the sessions, I, if you use the um, code word journey with all caps, you can get a 20% discount on, on your first reading to give you a look at what it is they do. And yeah, but those are the places that you can find me. 
Super. All right. Go check out the website. Go check out. And it's a great story, Sarah. And I'm so glad you spent time with me. Thank you. I, this was a lot of fun. So listeners, thank you for being on this journey. And I hope that we've lit the path a little bit more. It's always good to explore and hear new things. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, listeners. Everyone be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page. And support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 